listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. We're in the last week of, of our series called TikTok Taught Us, so we're so happy to hear Tony bring the message today. Come on, y'all give him a hand. Well, good morning, everybody. Well, um, microphone seems a little spicy, um, but, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's one way to kick this off. Um, all right. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, so we're in a series called TikTok Taught Me, and uh, I really like this series because one of the things that about social media that uh, I like about TikTok compared to Facebook and Instagram is TikTok uh, is is a little messy, okay? It's a little bit more real. It's a little bit more raw. There's a, there's more dialogue and conversation that happens on TikTok, right? People don't shy away from things. And um, as I was preparing this message about excellence, um, excellence is not perfection. That, like, that's my main point today, is perfection is about performance. Excellence is about purpose. So excellence is all about living your life on purpose for a purpose, okay? And so in this message, um, as I was preparing for this message, and I was looking at the differences between TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, right? Instagram and Facebook are all about the pretty family pictures and the filters and the nice things and, and all the things to make everything look really perfect, Right? I remember growing up, they had those uh, disposable cameras, and I would, my mom would give me one every year to go to, to kids camp or youth camp with, right? They had those, those things. Um, this was before I carried around a $1,500 phone in my pocket, um, and so that could take perfect pictures on a whim. Um, and so my mom would always give me the same warning each time, make the pictures count, okay? Like, because there's a limited amount of space on this thing, make the pictures count. Um, and all I was interested in is all the kids would get together with our disposable cameras and we would just like bang them on our hand and make the flash go off. So she would get the film back and it would just be random stuff here and there. Um, and so I did not make the pictures count, but we've kind of taken that philosophy, that mentality into our everyday life about making the picture count. And so, uh, I can tell you this, that when my wife wants me to take a picture of her with my kids or her with her stepmom or something like that, I've got to get like 15 different angles, 45 different shots. So she can go through and be like, I like this one, hate that one, like this one, hate that one, you know? And so that way, when, when the post goes out there, everybody's like, Oh, such a perfect picture. Um, I, I don't care. Like, I don't care about the perfect picture. That's not my personality. Um, I hardly post on my personal social media. Uh, I'm just there to kind of engage with my friends and, and see what's going on in their life and, and like their perfect pictures. Um, yeah, I'm a social media stalker. Woo! Um, and so, but we've, we, we've got in this mentality that everything has to be perfect. And so, We've shifted from living a real life on purpose with excellence to living a life to create this, this idea or perception of perfection in our own lives. And so the cars we drive, the clothes we wear, right, it's all about creating this perception for the people around us to think we have it together. And, you know, um, I couldn't find it, but I wanted to add this, this beautiful family picture. It was the, the last Christmas before my father passed away. 
that we took this beautiful family picture. We're all smiling and happy. My hair's perfect. My sister's hair's perfect. My brother's hair's perfect. Everybody looks done up, right? I remember going to the Sears that Christmas to get those pictures, you know, and, and, um, and, and we, were, we were there, and we're all smiling in this picture, but you didn't see the chaos that ensued for the two hours. You didn't see my mom smacking me in the back of the head before the picture went off because I didn't want to smile. You didn't see my brother crying, you know, but in that moment when they see that family, we're perfect. We're perfect. Everything is perfect in that moment. But that's not life. That's not real. That's not how things go. And so that's why I like TikTok, because TikTok is calling out this perfection. It's calling out what's going on in society. And, and here's a funny video for that. Just a little friendly reminder that there is a new bold glamour filter out there. It looks super realistic. It does not glitch when things are in front of your face. And it's not at all real. Be safe out there. That's a stark difference, right? But this is how people live life, is we, we get on our social media and, and there's these filters built in to make us look different and make us feel better about ourselves. Because all we're doing is comparing ourselves to these social media influencers out there that you don't see the three hours of makeup prep that they do before they take all these pictures. You don't see all the work that they put in and all the craziness that they go through to have this moment of perfection for you to be jealous of. And we get trapped in this comparison of our life versus them, our kids versus their kids. Our kids are better, they're nicer, they're sweeter, your kids are mean, right? Like we get, we get trapped in these thought processes about life because we've become so desperate to look perfect that we use filters and things to replace the beauty in which God created us. He created you to be an individual. He created you to be you for a purpose that he placed in you, Ephesians 2.10. He's put good works in you for you to walk out. He set those up beforehand for you. Now it's up to you to walk them out, but he put those things in you so you can walk those things out. See, the, oh, lost my place. Okay, here we go. And I believe that we've unintentionally bring this mind, we've brought this mindset into our relationship with God. See, we've allowed our culture's idolization of the perfect life to shape our expectations of our relationship with God. We create realities out of our expectations. And so if we go to prayer, if we go to God in prayer and pray something out of an expectation that he's going to answer it because he's like the genie in the bottle and then he doesn't answer it, who do we get mad at? We get mad at God, not at our, not at our, not at our expectation because it was our expectation that was wrong in the first place. Because God isn't this, you know, powerful being out there that you just call on him when you need something. And then he just shows up and is like, yes. Right? But that's how we treat him a lot of the times is we've created this perception around life. And so we make bad decisions with our money because we're buying a car we can't afford or buying clothes we can't afford and doing all this stuff. And then we can't pay our light bill and we're like, God, come in and save my day. And then it's like, but you created this situation for yourself, right? Because we have this filter on life instead of looking through it through a reality of excellence. See, have you ever placed an expectation on something because that one thing, and then that one thing wasn't met, it ruined everything? 
See, we have, have these expectations where if you go on a vacation, I expect to do this, this, and this, and this. And if those expectations don't happen, then vacation's bad, right? I expect that if I work really hard at my job, I'm going to be noticed. And that being noticed is going to lead me to more money, yep. right? And then we get mad when we're not noticed because you're just doing your job and your boss is like, oh, good job. Like, way to do your job. You know, like, <laughs> and, and you're like, but, but I sacrificed. Your, your boss didn't ask you to sacrifice. You placed that expectation on yourself because you wanted to get noticed because you wanted more money. Right? And so I've been in that trap. I've been in this, like, cycle where it's like I'm getting up way early in the morning and getting to the office way before I needed to be there and leaving late at night, not being around my family, wanting my boss to notice me instead of just putting excellence in my work in front of me. Right? So, so our expectations can shape our reality. And your purpose, when driven by excellence, can change everything and create a moment of joy in your life that's irreplaceable. So here's a story about a hot dog. There is a very fine restaurant in Manhattan called Eleven Madison Park, which consistently rates among the world's greatest restaurants. They serve 15-course tasting menus and are famous for exquisitely prepared, innovative dishes. But the food is not the only reason Eleven Madison Park has such a brilliant reputation. There's also an element of joy. Now one day, during a particularly busy lunch, the owner, Will Guidara, was helping the servers clear tables. And there was a table of four who had just finished their appetizers, so Will was clearing their plates. And he happened to hear their conversation, which revealed that they were all on vacation and had eaten at all of the city's best restaurants, capping it off with 11 Madison Park. And then they were gonna head off to the airport. Well, one of the people at the table happened to mention that their one regret is that they hadn't had a chance to eat a real New York hot dog. So Will, in stealth mode, ran down the block to a hot dog cart and brought one back and begged the chef to serve it. So the chef cut it into four perfect little pieces and gave it a few artistic flourishes, little quenelles of sauerkraut and relish. And Will brought it out to the four guests and said, to make sure that you don't go home with any culinary regrets, a New York City hot dog. Now the last dish they served was a mouth-watering honey lavender glazed Muscovy duck whose recipe had taken years to perfect. But all the guests talked about after the meal was the hot dog. Sometimes it's a single small act that makes the difference between a great experience and an unforgettable one. But serious question, of all the people in that story, who had the most fun? Will and the servers and staff at 11 Madison Park do things like this because it's fulfilling. The joy of the experience was shared by everyone. And that, I think, is the heart of hospitality. See, those guys, they were stunned because their expectation was met. And it was met by somebody focused on excellence and purpose, going out of their way, not getting bogged down into the perfection of the meal that ta had taken years to create and craft and probably took blood, sweat, and tears to do. In a moment, they said, I would rather be excellent than perfect, and went out went and grabbed a hot dog, 
and change these guys' experience. And I'm sure those people probably talk about that to this day because that was a moment where excellence and purpose met and created joy for somebody else. And that's the purpose of excellence in our life is for excellence and our purpose to meet that we walk out our purpose with such passion and intensity that wherever we go, we get to bring joy with us. That wherever we go, we get to bring God with us. That wherever we go, people know that you're different. People know that something's changed. And they get to ask you. And the door opens and you get to tell them about Jesus. You get to tell them about his goodness and his kindness and his mercies. That completely changed everything for you. See, the, the curious thing to me, though, is the fact that the high-dollar restaurant didn't flinch at the idea of changing the course because they cared more about the customer. They cared more about that customer's experience. They cared more about being excellent. They easily could have fallen into the temptation of staying the course in what they thought was the perfect meal. But they chose excellence, which led to joy. See, this is how the enemy tries to trap us. He puts us in a place of comparison that we need to have a, the better, more perfect life, but God doesn't expect us to be perfect. He expects us to trust him and consistently give our best. That's what excellence is. It's showing up and consistently giving your best each and every day and each and every moment. Even when we're tired, even when we're frustrated, we still give our best because we're choosing to honor God, not honor our own desires. We're choosing to be excellent in those moments where it's late at night and you have three kids, one of which is a two-month-old baby, and the other two are five and six years old, and they've been tugging at you and tugging at you and tugging at you instead of turning around and being like Adam Sandler, all right! You turn around and you, you treat them with kindness. You treat them with love. You nurture them. Because in that moment, you're choosing to be an excellent parent rather than satisfy that frustration. Rather than being like, I'm, I'm human too, I'm tired, I'm weary, I need rest. You choose to love through excellence instead. See, the enemy, when he puts us in that place of comparison, we, we look at all the things that make up our life and we think about all the things that build our life. Instead of trusting in God and building our life in Him and being excellent in trusting Him with everything we do, we're looking at all the things that other people have that we don't. Because we're pursuing this idea of perfection. Man, life would be really perfect if I had, if I had that boat. Life would be really perfect if I had an F-250 instead of an F-150. Right? Life would be really perfect if I had a little bit more money, life would be really perfect if this person would notice me. Like, I've been in all of these places. This is not something that, that I am saying because I don't deal with it. I even dealt with it as I was building this, this message. Is this the perfect way to say this? Are they really going to get my point? And I fought all week long. This is probably my sixth revision of this message because I fought all week long. I, was, I just wanted to say what God wanted me to say, but I kept getting in the way. Right? 
A life built on God is about being excellent and trusting him in everything we do. When God gives us a direction he wants us to go, he wants us to give our all. Excellence is about consistently showing up and doing the best we can. That means in our hardest moments we are focused on God, uh, on who God is, and trust him in those moments. We go back to his character and say that he is greater than this temporary circumstance. We don't let a temporary circumstance invade our character, invade our integrity, and we fall to those things. Instead, we, we declare who God is and we're excellent in who he is rather than who we are. We have to get to a place where we, get, we are giving all of our, our all and understanding that God controls the outcome. God controls it all, not us. Jason, Pastor Jason was saying it earlier where he was talking about he's a fixer and he could go out and, and go do, but he, he sat back and had patience and waited on God to provide because he knew that God's provision was better than anything his hands could do. That's what excellence is about. See, God isn't asking us to do the impossible. He's asking us to walk out the good works he put in us so he can show up and do the impossible. He just wants us to rely on him. And, And here's a video of Coach Prime talking about that. There are people from every walk of life who know who you are. Uh, There are people from every walk of life who will probably see this interview. If you could say or speak to them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, what would you say to them about your experience with Christ? I've trusted man. I've trusted woman. I've trusted child. I've trusted people, places, and things. And every last one of them have somehow, some way, or another let me down, but not Jesus, but not Jesus. Not one day, not one time, not one moment. And I've learned to accept all things and all things. When I tell you all things, I don't have bad days. All my days are good. All my days are learning uh, are their lessons or their things that take me from faith to faith to glory to glory. Are there ways that, that, that teaches me and trains me how to reach and how to teach and how to touch, how to inspire, how to encourage and how to motivate? All these different things. I've been through private hell and, and, and public hell and have had private success as well as public success. So everything is a learning tool for me and I'm going to take every last bit of it and try to encourage and motivate others to come to know Jesus. I don't care what anybody would say i know what works for me and i want you just like i go to a restaurant and tell you hey man there's some good food down here i'm gonna tell you hey man some good jesus over here see what i love about what he said is it comes from a place that everything happened internally everything changed internally and then everything went external he went through private issues He went through private successes, and then all of that turned public. See, but he was excellent every day. He said, I don't have a bad day. It's just a day to learn. It's just an opportunity to learn, to grow, to be changed, right? And so many of us will will have a bad moment that we allow to define the rest of our day. We have a bad five minutes, and then it consumes us for 10 hours, 
instead of learning from that moment and picking up and being excellent who God created you to be, you allow the enemy to ensnare you in a trap that distracts you from what God wanted you to do the rest of the day. Right? Walking out excellence in our life is about knowing who God is. It's about knowing who we serve and the outcome of that service. Excellence in our life is realized when we hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. But to do that, there's three components to live an excellent life. Number one, we have to know God. Two, being faithful. We have to be faithful. And three, take others with you. You have to take others with you to live an excellent life. So we have to know God. So knowing God is is super important to live an excellent life because if you only know about him, you can easily switch his characteristics into a, a list of things to achieve perfection. If you know about who Jesus is, you can list what he did as your list to get into heaven. Right? If you don't know him, if you don't know who he is or why he did those things or, or who the character of Jesus is, if you don't have that revelation in you, then your walk with him comes, becomes about reading the Bible, just to read the Bible. And it might not make sense to you, but you read it anyways. Yeah. Right? It comes about praying. And so you pray, but you don't feel like your prayers are heard or you don't feel like your prayers are answered. You don't feel like anybody around you understands what you're going through. Right? It, be- it becomes this checklist mentality. Okay, I did it. I'm good. I'm in the book. But that's not relationship with Jesus. An excellent relationship with Jesus, an excellent relationship with God is about knowing him. It's about understanding him. He doesn't say Go away from me because you didn't complete the checklist. He says, go away from me for you never knew me. You never knew me. And so we want to know who God is. So do you know God or do you know about him? Here's a quick video. If you were best friends with Michael Jordan and then you go hang out with someone and they're like, did you know Michael Jordan 6'6"? He was a point guard of Chicago Bulls. He won six championships in the 90s. You're like, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) right yeah like and then maybe they start saying some things that are like kind of weird but like why would you know that or why would you even care to know that yeah right they know about him yeah they don't know him right when you know god Mm -hmm. you know the difference when people are talking about god versus knowing god okay and there's a lot of people that know maybe know the book of the lord that Mm -hmm. don't know the lord of the book See, we all have to know who God is on an individual basis. It's one of the things that keeps us away from false teachers. It's one of the things that keeps us away from, from the enemy coming in and giving you 98% truth and 2% lie. It's the thing that keeps us away from following a path that God doesn't have set for us. It's something that keeps us from comparison, right? One simple thing that will help us change from knowing about him And knowing him is simple. Read the Bible from this perspective. This isn't simply about God, but it's from God to us so we can understand him. See, when we read the Bible from a lens of understanding that this is his book to explain to us who he is. That that Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? These books are to explain 
where it all started, where it came from, who he is, how he established his character with his people. Then we get into the, the major and minor prophets, the historical books, and then we get into the Gospels. Right? The gospel is the good news that Jesus came, that the promise was fulfilled for us, and Jesus died on a cross for my sin, for your sin, not sins he committed, but he took the weight of everything that we did against a holy God and made a way for us to encounter him by de- defeating death, hell, and the grave by raising up from the dead three days later. And then he imparted his spirit in us to help us in everyday life. See, we can know about those things, but have we experienced those things? Have they become real to you? So we know who God is. So, so who is he? He's Father. He's God the Father. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. He's holy. He's everlasting. He's good. He's loving. And this is just some of the list, right? It goes on and on and on and on. See, these aren't just characteristics I see in the Bible, but these are characteristics that I can point out in my life. I can point out where he's been a father to me. I can point out where he's called me son and brought me home when I was the prodigal that ran away. I can point out when he's Lord of Lords, when he came in and established his lordship in my life, and that no matter what I do or where I go, I know I can't veer to the left or to the right. I know that he's king of kings. I know that he holds it all in his hands. I know that he's holy. That there's no one like him. So how do we go from knowing about God to knowing him? One is simple, spending time with him. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he... uh, It is he that bears much fruit, for apart from me he can do nothing. You can do nothing. You abide in him. Abide means to dwell in. Just spend time with him. Dwell in his presence. And that doesn't mean you're going to get the goosebumps. It doesn't mean you're going to have this insane experience like John on Patmos where he like sees the book of Revelation. Sometimes it's just sitting there and you go from anxiety to peace. Sometimes it's sitting there and you go from frustration to happiness. But that's what spending time with him is. See, your prayer time, Bible time, and thinking about him is all about having a revelation of his character that becomes real in your life. Now, I know revelation is a real churchy word, okay? Like, s- sometimes you, you hear, what does it mean to have a revelation of Jesus? Well, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. It's just having a new understanding of him, experiencing him in a way that you hadn't experienced him before. Right? So, I remember the first time I, ex- I had a revelation of his holiness. I was about 15. I was at a worship conference, and I was there, and all these people were singing about Jesus' holiness. It was a song called... Uh, called Holy, and uh, is by Matt Gilman, and it just talks about how holy God is, right? It's from Isaiah chapter 6, and I was sitting there, and I didn't know it was from Isaiah chapter 6 at the time, and I was sitting there, and I was like, God, I don't understand your holiness. And I, I, I felt like an impression, like this weight to like go look at Isaiah chapter 6, so I go look at it, I start reading, and the year that King Uzziah died, I, you know, I was taken up, and I saw the Lord high and lifted up, right? 
Angels crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and his, his glory inherits all the earth. And then Isaiah says, woe is me for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips in the midst of a people of unclean lips. So God's holiness directly led to Isaiah's repentance. Right? And so in that moment, I felt the weight of all of my sin come crashing down on my shoulders. All the things that were separating me from God. And so I did what the book said. I was like, God, I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with this. And I went down the list. And then I kept reading and I saw that the angel took, took the coal and touched his lips and cleansed him. And then I felt just this washing of peace over me. Like all those things fell off of me. And in that moment, I understood who God was and how powerful he is and how good he is and how different he is compared to all the other things that were taking my attention. This is what having a revelation is. It's this moment where God comes in and makes himself so real to you. You can't deny him being a provider. You can't deny him being Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Right? So, one of the things that helps you understand who God is is the renewal of your mind. Right? You have to understand that some of these thoughts that the enemy has placed in us, some of these lies, you don't even realize they're lies. You don't even realize that the enemy has wrapped you up in these lies. I was living a lie for so long, and I didn't even realize it, that that my, my core narrative that I figured out was, if I worked a little harder, maybe they would love me. If I did a little more, maybe they'll love me. And so I had this perfection mentality that if everything was perfect, if everything was orderly, if everything was straight, if everything was good, they'll notice me and they'll love me. Right? And it wasn't until I, I read Killing the Orphan Spirit that I was like, oh, snap. I got this. I didn't even realize it. Okay. And then at that point, I was like, okay, God, like, I got this. I know I'm your son. I'm not an orphan. I'm a son. And then I went through freedom class shortly after reading Killing the Orphan Spirit. And it was like, all this stuff was just popping up. And I'm like, whew, okay, all right, I need to do this. I need to go through this. I need his word to change me. And so one of the things pastor jason was suggesting as we went through is if you go to freedomdl.com bible we have a bunch of bible resources on there and one of them is like uh, a link that goes out to where you can search topics about scriptures about that topic and so i i searched depression i searched joy because i was struggling having joy i searched um just all these different things that gave me ammunition that anytime one of these po thoughts popped up i would i would have a scripture ready and then as I had that scripture ready, I would say it and I wouldn't believe it. So I'd say it again and I wouldn't believe it. So I said it and I said it and I said it until it took root in me. And my mind was changed. So sometimes going through uh, Killing the Orphan Spirit, going through Freedom Class, we have books out there. Grab one, read it. It will help you identify areas where God has not been able to renew your mind yet simply because you didn't know you needed it. Because that's how the enemy works. He likes to keep you in deception. And the simple way is on your way to work. You know, some of us drive a long way. Some of us, you know, wake up and go to our laptop. Um, 
and uh, and on your way to work, put the Bible over your radio and just let it wash over you. Just let the words of the word wash over you. No, number two, being faithful. To live an excellent life, we have to be faithful. Part of being excellent is showing up. Being faithful is just showing up. Being faithful is being there. It's being present in that moment. So one key to living an excellent life is being faithful to God's plan for you. Being faithful isn't about being perfect every step. The Bible actually says this about righteousness in Psalms 24. For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. The righteous fall seven times and get back up. That Life is not going to be perfect. We're going to have moments where things go crazy. That's okay. That's okay if you get back up and keep going. Don't let the enemy keep you there and put you in a place of complacency and apathy. See, being, being faithful is about being present so we can give our best to his will in every moment. He's given us good works for us to walk out. In order to, to do that, we have to make sure we're being faithful in those works and walking them out. So God's given you a gift. And by us not walking out those good, work, good works, we take that gift, put it on a shelf, keep it wrapped, save it for later. I don't know anybody that if I came up to you and was like, hey, I have a gift for you in this box, that wouldn't be like, let me look at it. Let me, let me get in this gift and see what's going on. Because it might be truck keys, it might be cash, it might be, you know, like your, your, your imagination starts going wild, right? The longer it sits there, the more your imagination runs with it, right? See, we see this in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. We see that the, the master comes and, and gives his servants, right, a different amount of talents to go and do something with. He gives one the first servant, one talent. He gives a second servant, two talents. And he gives a third servant, five talents. And in that moment, he's like, all right, go do something with this. I'll be back to check on you. All right, this is the Tony translated version. Um, and so the, the two servants with the two and the five, they take it and they go and invest those talents. The one with the one digs a hole, puts it in the ground, and buries it. Right? And then this is what we see is that when he comes back to the, the servants that with the two and the five and he sees that they've invested it, he the master comes in and he says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've taken little and made much. Right? I've given you little and you've done something with it. So I'm going to give you much. Right? But this is his interaction with the one who buried it. He who had also received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. When we don't take advantage of the gifts God gave us, when we don't go walk those things out, when we don't go do something with it, we're taking what he, he gave us and burying it in the ground because we're more afraid that we're going to fail him than we are to do something for him. God controls the outcome, not you. All you control is saying yes and taking the step. 
We have to say yes and take the step. And by you not saying yes, by you not taking the step, you're bearing the gifts. You're bearing what God has given you. You're bearing the good works in the ground. See, perfection is built on performance. Excellence is built on purpose. Are you more concerned with your performance or your purpose? You have to be so consumed by what God created you to be, your place in the kingdom, because you know him. Once you know him, all you want to do is fulfill your purpose for him. Desire to be perfect leads to condemnation, but a life built on excellence listens to conviction. Excellence doesn't mean that you're not going to mess up, that you're not, not going to stumble, but when that correction comes, you listen to that correction and you keep going and being excellent. In every moment, we have two options running at us, temptation and faithfulness. One leads to death and the other leads to life. This is why understanding who he is is key. When we know him, we, we know he's defeated death, hell, and the grave, and we can stand on the strength of Christ and choose faithfulness. When we are living a life of purpose, a life built on Christ, we will naturally fill our life with excellence because it doesn't matter what we're doing. We know we are doing it to honor and worship God. Everything we lay our hands to is to honor and worship the Lord. Everything we touch, how we manage our personal finances, how we take care of the vehicles God has given us, how we honor God in the church, how we serve here, right? Sometimes being faithful to him is about understanding his purpose and his will. So do you, under, do you know what his will is for your life? Because we have to know what his will is. Here's a quick video about his will. If you've been praying for God's will, this might just help you. Now, if you're like me, when it comes to God's will, there's days that I feel like I'm 100% on top of it, and the next day, I'm chasing my tail. Here it is. You ready? It's found in 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray continuously, and give thanks in every circumstance. For this is God's will in Christ Jesus. The first time I read that, I was like, wait, I'm a little disappointed. I'm just being honest, because I was thinking more like walking on water or sleeping with lions. I was thinking this seemed a little too simple, and maybe God's will was a little bit more complicated. But then after thinking about it a few days, I thought, I've been praying for God's will like it's an event. And God was showing me that his will was much more than that. And that his will is a lifestyle. See, because when we're living in a state of rejoicing, that means we're constantly choosing joy. And when we learn to be joyful in all things, God shows us even greater things. But it says to pray continually. I mean, I have to sleep, right? But prayer is just communication between us and God and that line needs to stay open all the time. God desires to hear from you and our longing is to hear from God. But then it says give thanks in all circumstances. But it doesn't say for all circumstances because some circumstances are just crappy. But I can still give thanks in them because I know that in all things God is working them out to the good. See because when I stay in a state of consistent rejoicing, prayer, and giving thanks, God's will becomes more than an event. It becomes a lifestyle. My very life becomes the will of God. The events will happen but God God has designed you for more than one event. You're a walking, breathing, full of life child of the Most High. That's how we live God's will out each and every day. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, no matter the circumstance, because we know that we serve a God that is fighting for us. And in the hard things we are facing, can be the very thing that brings up the issue that's keeping us from the fullness of faithfulness. 
So embrace the pain, embrace the frustration, embrace that and give God glory for that. Rejoice in him in those things. Find contentment in in those hard moments because that is the love of God working things out of you so he can work his goodness into you. Pray without ceasing. Talk to him in everything. He is with you. The spirit is dwelling in you. Don't talk yourself out of prayer because you think you have to be perfect. The prodigal son had been sleeping in a pig pen before the father hugged him and clothed him. Just run to the father and fall into his grace. Give thanks to God because everything around you he has blessed you with. Life hasn't always been easy, and honestly, some days there there are days where I lay in bed before I get out going, oh man, I've got to make these decisions today. I really don't want to do that. But I know the moment that my feet hit the ground that God is with me, and he will be with me as I make those decisions. And I know being faithful to him and being excellent in him will always provide me the pathway that his goodness has worked into my life. Be faithful where God has placed you by taking the next step. What's the next step at work? What's the next step in your marriage? What's the next step with your kids? What's the next step with church? Take that next step because that that next step of excellence will get you closer and closer to what God created you for. Point three, take others with you. One of the greatest things that I've been able to experience in my life is the joy of seeing others experience a deeper relationship with God. And one of my Greatest experiences with this, one of my most proud experiences with this is with Brandon. He and I are, are like brothers, all right? Like we are close, 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 close. And one of my greatest experiences with this is with him. And we were close, we were friends, we were good. And he knew I was a pastor and he wasn't exactly like he came from a pastor family. He came from being raised in church and where he was at, that wasn't exactly where he and his family were at at that time. And that's okay. But one day, it led to a conversation. And he was like, hey, I want to know more about the Bible. I was like, meet me at Starbucks at 5 a.m. on Monday. So we met at Starbucks, and we started reading the Bible together. And then as he read the Bible, he was looking for a church that he could go to. He found Freedom Church. They came here. He and Riley really enjoyed it. They got plugged in. They started serving. He, we still kept meeting for Bible study. Then he was like, hey, I signed, you, signed us up, not just him, I signed us up to go through freedom class together. And so I showed up to Jason's house, and I had only met Jason one other time before this. I showed up, and we went through freedom class together. And Brandon found freedom. I found freedom. And then I got to come be here and be a part of this team. And Brandon is now serving as our men's director And he's getting to provide the same opportunities from other men that he went through. That went from questioning and not understanding to digging into the word and being changed by the word. And then then getting to experience the freedom that God had for him so it could lead to his purpose. And now his purpose is to help other men get to the same place. I got to take him with me. Pastor Jason got to take him with him. See, taking others with you is one of the greatest gifts that God gives us. It's not about bashing them over the head with the Bible. It's not about telling them, you know better, I raised you better. It's not about any of that. What it is about is being a consistent, excellent presence in their life that you stand on God's word and you know who he's about, you know who he is, you're being faithful to him, and then one day that conversation will happen. 
One day that door will open because when you respond differently to something they respond to and they expect you to respond the same way and you don't, they're going to look at you and be like, why'd you respond like that? And boom, there's your opportunity. Right? Matthew 28, 19 through 20 is the Great Commission. Jesus gives us a few directives. Go into the world. Make disciples. Right? Baptize them and teach them to live according to the ways that I've taught you. So to go in the world, to be effective in the world, we have to know who God is, his ways, and be faithful in those things so we don't get ensnared by the enemy's traps. So in order to be effective in the world, we have to know him so we can see the deceit of the enemy before we ever get there. Make disciples is about being present in the world and acting out godly characteristics. In order to act out godly characteristics, we need to know him and be faithful to him so we can have those revelations of those things, so we can walk those out on the earth. In doing so, we're able to show people who God is and give us an opportunity for relationship with those people and lead them into relationship with God. Baptize them. Once they are committed and have had spiritual revitalization, they're baptized to put to death the old ways. Right? They get to leave all the old stuff in a watery grave. They get to move forward. Teach them to live according to his commandments. We're empowered by God to teach others what we know about him so that they can have revelation of him and live those things out and be faithful to him. Here's a quick video. There are not two kinds of Christianity, regular Christians and people who are disciples. It doesn't exist. There's only one. To be a Christian implies that you are a disciple. To follow Jesus implies that you are leaving one place to go to another, which means I have to leave my behaviors, my attitudes, my affections, and now set my face to do what God's called me to do. I think we've done a great disservice whenever we begin to think that following Jesus means, man, we're gonna see all these miracles, all these amazing things, and yes, all those things happen, but it's also gonna come with a lot of sacrifice. Once we understand who God is, is now required of our lives to begin to come up higher. There is a level of seeking after God that you can come to church and, oh, I got goosebumps, and wasn't that message good? That's great, but there's a point in your journey when you get a revelation of who he is that now comes with a personal responsibility that you have to begin to live out. See, in this, there's going to be moments where we're, we're going to have to choose faithfulness to him over the desires of our flesh. And that's what she means by sacrifice, is like there's going to be moments where you have a situation, God's provided a solution, and then right as you're about to go into that, he, the enemy's going to come in and bring something to tempt you with. That's like a Trojan horse that, yeah, it looks good right now. It looks good now. But once you get into that situation, it's going to blow up and cause you all sorts of problems. That's where listening to the, to the discernment of the Spirit, that's where understanding who he, who he is. That's where knowing, having people that know God know you, love God and love you, and have your best interests in mind come in. See, but the key, though, is that we aren't getting them to follow us. We're pointing them to Christ. We're to exemplify the character of Christ. Our goal is to know God and be faithful to him so that others can see the goodness of God through us. That means when life gets hard, we choose faithfulness to him. See, the enemy wants to tell us that we're not going to live up to our purpose, and he uses the culture around us as a driving point to drive that deeper into us. He wants us to compare ourselves to what we see on Facebook and Instagram, what we see out in the world. A perfect 
life in our culture is built off of comparison. It's just a bunch of people doing things to outdo the other person. Living an excellent life is understanding we aren't enough, but God is. That even though we aren't enough, God, who is rich in mercy, sent his son to die for us so we have the opportunity to know him and be faithful to him. Excellence is simply living a life where God is first and everything we do honors him. If you want to live an excellent life, we have to honor God in everything. So if you could please stand. I want to pray for you guys. And I know that, you know, maybe throughout the message you're like, man, I need to know God a little bit more. Or maybe I need to be a little bit more faithful. Maybe I need to be a better representation while I'm out in the world so I can have conversations with people and lead them to Christ and bring them to Christ. That's okay. We're all in an area where we we need to be a little bit more excellent. We need to give our best in that area. And so today I want to pray for you and pray that God comes in and empowers you and gives you his Holy Spirit and and gives you the strength to walk those things out. So dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for who you are, Lord. You're good and you're holy and you're mighty, Father. And I pray, God, that you would be with your people. I pray, God, that you would empower them. God, that you would give them revelation of who you are, that you would give them God, the fullness of who you are, God, that you would, God, let them be faithful to your purpose, God. God, that you would let them take others with them, Lord, that you would give them the strength, God, the, the excellence to walk this out in their, their, their places of work and their daily life, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and his people to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.